Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome back to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. And please remember to leave us a five-star review. So let's waste no time in bringing in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I mean, this is crazy. This is what episode forty. Wow. I know. I know. I, I, I had to look up and see. Say, hey, where's the time gone? <laughs> yeah, a little over a year. We uh, we kind of missed our one year anniversary show, um, but we are on the big four zero. So I'm glad you brought that up, JT. And uh, I'll spend the way I'll spend the way too much time with you. This is what <laughs> this is. That's what this is telling me. I'm spending way too much time with you. I was just going to say, too, I'm looking forward to at least another 40 together with you, JT. I enjoy it so much. Come we on. might have to work out a new CBA or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that in a little while. But first up, JT, as with all of the news, uh, sports news outlets, the coronavirus has a def- uh, definitely affected the world um, and specifically uh, sports and sporting events since that is what we discuss. So, JT, as you now know, a lot of the, actually almost all of the leagues that all over the world, including the NBA, NHL, MLB, have suspended their seasons right now. Um, A lot of the soccer leagues have as well, including the MLS. XFL has, at least for now, canceled the rest of their regular season. Um, And the NCAA uh, canceled all of the NCAA tournament for both men's and women's basketball as well as championships for the winter sports and then the seasons for the spring sports. So there's a lot there, JT. So my question to you is, and you could pick it out how you want, whether it's a specific league, if you want to talk about only the NCAA, but you have an issue with these leagues suspending the season and the NCAA doing what they did. Um, do you have an issue with that? I don't have an issue with the suspension. Now, I I would say I would have an issue – with some of the situations where they just, you know, straight up canceled uh, the event. Because I think, uh, what was it? Was it the Ivy League? Like they, they canceled the whole tournament. So, right. well, that's what the NCAA has done right now. Though, but they, so. I think, but I think they did theirs before the NCAA even suspended Correct. March Madness. Like they just didn't yeah. play the conference tournament. So, well, would it even matter at this point though? Because the, well, NCAA, I mean, I mean I they mean, would well, not have probably gotten through the whole tournament anyway. The Ivy League. Well, I mean, at the time, you didn't know that that was that is what was going to happen. But I mean, those kids, they know like, Hey, look, that conference tournament is the last chance for us to make the NCAA tournament. So if everybody else is still playing theirs, you know, we still got to have an opportunity to play ours, but yeah, I do think it was, it's the right idea to suspend, you know, all operations until, you know, we essentially get the coronavirus under control because I mean, it's a very serious thing. You look around the world, you know, people are dying from this. So, uh, especially in sporting events, you know, it, there's, a, there's a mass of people all around at all times. So 
you don't want to put the players, you don't want to put the fans, you don't want to put the media, you don't want to put the coaches, you don't want to put people's lives in danger unnecessarily. So I think it's the right move. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it is the right move. So I have no issue with it. Initially, I kind of did like, um, why are they going to suspend or the NCAA cancel the whole tournament? Because it, so dra- it was dramatic at first. Yeah, I right. get you. Right, right. But looking back on it, have no issue with it. Um, I mean, they had to do it. They they had to do it. Because you look at some of the numbers and, you know, looking at, like, Italy, you know, um, my family originally being from Italy, uh, the, you know, there's a lockdown countrywide. That's like 60 million residents. I mean, they're literally singing. Their form of entertainment is singing off of the balconies. And yeah, I saw smaller, that. Yeah, and some of these smaller Italian villages. So, it you know, they went from, in less than a month, they went from three cases to over 15,000. And then I'll just give you some of the numbers, and that kind of explains why now I don't have an issue with it. Whereas initially, we love sports, JT, and this is what we do. This is what we love to watch in our free time and talk about. So it is important to us. And so we wanted to have those events, but looking at these numbers – in realizing how it spreads, yeah, I have no issue with it. I mean, there's been, as of the recording of this uh, episode, you know, over a 1,000 deaths worldwide um, in Italy. And they didn't do the lockdown sooner, and now they're kind of paying that price for it in terms of now they need to do a, a, a countrywide lockdown. And worldwide, there's been, I think, like over 4,600 deaths. And the doctors, the experts... In, in these situations are saying that large crowds help spread this way faster, which makes sense. And so as a fan, I would have attended, I still would have attended these events, um, but this is definitely for the safety of the country. And so they're protecting everybody from themselves and from each other in a way. And, and even the World Health Organization has now designated it a, a pandemic, which is a global outbreak of a disease. And this is, the last thing I'll say on it with numbers of, of why I need to say this and kind of say it in my head, because it was a tough decision when you find out all this stuff happening. You're like, why, right? You're saying why. So the reason why is you look at the fatality rates, about 6% of people 60 and over who, who end up being infected. And this overall fatality rate is at least 20 times, 23 times greater than the flu. So eliminating the large-scale gatherings, you know, will not get rid of it together, but it will flatten the curve or slow the rate of infections down. And that's really the main goal of the social distancing. And so this, in turn, will help hospitals not only be able to provide um, help for the people infected, but then other people that have other illnesses that are not related to this. So that's the main thing is to slow that curve down, not only in the U.S., but in all the other countries, to slow the curve down, the rate of infections, so that hospitals and medical providers can still do what they need to do properly. So that's why looking back at it, it's a long way to get there, but I have no issue with all the cancellations and suspensions. Now, JT, one thing that did come up, two questions from it, um, one is college athletes in particular here. Should they get, and we're talking seniors, should they get a fifth year of eligibility? Whether it's a 
women's or men's basketball player, whether it's a, uh, a baseball player, whether it's a softball player, whether it's a lacrosse player, what do you think? Well, yeah, absolutely, because this is something that frankly, quite frankly came out of nowhere. But also, too, just take a look at it from the NCAA perspective. This is a rare opportunity for you to get a win in the court of public opinion. Yep. So well said. Everybody's been all over the NCAA for for decades. You know, you guys don't do anything for these kids, these athletes. Hey, we can give them an extra year eligibility. We're not going to give them any shit about you know coming back, wanting to transfer. This is a time for you guys to take a win in the media. So absolutely, I think they should be able to do it. You know, to be honest, I'm fine either way with it. Whatever they decide. Um, because think about it, like there's some red shirt seniors, right? So they end up getting a fifth year, some get a sixth year of eligibility. So they may just need to increase the number of scholarships for the 2020 season. Just make it and work. Then, get an NCA. Just it, make whatever rule it, it takes to get everybody happy and playing. Exactly. And, and that's why I'm fine with it either way. If the other thing is, hey, this is real life stuff. Life is not always fair. I get that, too, if you don't want to grant it to them. But the key is what you said. Because when I was thinking about it, I was like, man, this is such a great way for the NCAA not to look like a stickler yeah. on something that was out of everyone's control. So and that's you, well. And, and the fact that you, that you use the word stickler, you, <laughs> you know, you got, you got nicer vocabulary than I do because I wouldn't have used that <laughs> adjective to describe them. But, yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, that, well said by you. Like, th that's a great point you bring up. Um, the other question is, let's look at the NBA and – Supposedly in the CBA, there's a what's called a doomsday provision, which is really a force majeure clause. And I'm using some legal terms there, JT. And what uh, yeah, because I was about to ask you, why, <laughs> where'd you get that from? So th that is a particular clause would basically allows there to be no liability since the completion of the con since the contract cannot be completed, basically. And what would happen, what this means in the NBA instance is that the owners would not have to pay a certain percentage of a player's salary because there are now games canceled due to a pandemic and a pandemic is one of the, um, is one of the provisions in that clause of the CBA. Meaning if there's a, you know, some sort of pandemic or some other things in there may have been like a natural disaster or something that doesn't allow for the yeah, completion like if, if of they, games. If they if there's sort of like an act of God and they can't complete Correct. you know the rest of the games, they don't have to pay them. Correct. So that is a possibility here for the NBA players that they don't get paid. So JT, I don't. It's tough to have a question here on it. So I guess my question to you would be: If the owners enact that clause. Would you have an issue with that against the owners, or would you say, hey, that's that's fine, the players didn't play their games? Well, according to you, from a legal perspective, I, <laughs> I, there's nothing I could do about it because these guys right. signed that in their CBA. Right. So, I mean, right. I can't be mad at one side of somebody who made a deal, you know, exercising something that's a benefit for them because it saves them money. The only thing I would caution the NBA on with that is kind of like the NCAA. NBA and the image they have in the media of the relationship they have with their players is at a all like I don't think any sport has that as far as like positivity. The players feel like they don't be, they're not being taken advantage of. They feel like management, ownership, and them are on the same page. This is something they can easily just say, look, the season's almost over anyway for most of these teams. So you can just 
pay the guys like you normally would. Who cares if they miss some games? And I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but you see all these guys, all these players coming out and saying like, hey, like if we're going to shut down operations for the, in the meantime, we're going to pay the salaries for all of, for all of the employees that will be missing work time. I think that's making people a little upset because these guys like Zion Williamson, he's a rookie. He just got his money. Why does he have to be the one to donate his paycheck to pay for these these employees? The owners are the billionaires like they should be the ones. Those are their employees. They should be saying, look, while we're shutting down, we're going to pay for all the benefits, all of the all the salaries of those people that aren't going to be able to work. So. The fact that players are doing that over the owners, I think that's going to start to ruffle some feathers. And then if they, you know, actually enact this clause, I think that this is going to be a hit to an image that they've worked so hard to, you know, build positivity toward over the years. Dang, JT, you are on point today. That I'll tell you I what. Mean, it's did, simple. Did you prep for this show? No, finally? I did not. I did this not. This is amazing. Because of coronavirus, I couldn't even prep for this show. <laughs> well, what. I think you're spot on there. I do think this gives them a chance, even if they wanted to enact this clause, even if they missed the you know next 10, 15 games, they still paid, or they missed the rest of the regular season. If they paid the players, this maybe gives them some brownie points right for the next CBA discussions, negotiations. And going to what you're saying where players are paying some of the game day staff salaries for the you know rest of March – well, what if they said, okay, listen, we're going to enact this clause because we don't want to kind of set a precedent that might bite us later. So we're not going to pay you the certain percentage, but we're going to take whatever money we would have paid you and divide it equally and give it to the game day event hourly staff. Maybe they could do that. So that way a Zion doesn't have to, you know, give up his salary in addition to not receiving a salary. So maybe they, maybe they could do that. But this, I think this also comes down to, and this is kind of like beyond sports, because one of the main gripes with everyone across the country is, damn, they're shutting down all these things, but we still have to go to work. And <laughs> You're just bitter about that. Well, some of us aren't fortunate enough to get shut down like that. But no, but that's this is like the one rare time where – because if you're a salary employee, you know that they can. there is no, you know, there's no hourly rate. They can work you overtime beyond. It's a part of the salary. Well, guess what? This is a kind of a benefit time for us. We're not allowed. We shouldn't be working. So you still should have to pay us that salary. It should go both ways. Like, that's the agreement. But, okay, so sticking with the NBA, uh, when things do resume, so hopefully they get this under control and then, you know, we can – the season's not lost and they don't have to enact that provision. Right now – if the season were to end today, who would be your MVP? Would it be LeBron or would it be Giannis? I'm going to go Giannis Antetokounmpo, okay? Yeah, I knew you were going to say that just because you want to say his name. I knew that. Hey, when you can say a last name like that, you got to take advantage of it. Come on. Well, I mean, I would expect you to be able to pronounce that after. What's the thing you just said? In the You were reading some legal. What, Force some legal majeure. Morse majeure. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yes. the, I, don't, I don't know where the hell he was going with that, but go ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to go Giannis. And listen, he plays on average six minutes less per game than LeBron. You know why, JT? Don't answer. I'll, I'll answer it for you. Because his team, the Milwaukee Bucks, which he's the main component of, blows teams out. He doesn't need to play as many minutes as LeBron. And then on top of that, 
You look per 36-minute averages, okay, because you got to reduce LeBron's playing time here. So on a per 36-minute um, average, Giannis is doubling LeBron in rebounds. He's scoring eight more points than LeBron and leads in the plus-minus uh, ratio. He's a better defender. In fact, his – let me get some other statistics here. His 96.5 rating on defense – Leads the league, okay? And, I mean, you just look at what he's done with the Milwaukee Bucks. We're not talking about the Lakers or the Celtics. But you're acting like the, the Bucks. Milwaukee you're acting like the Bucks. Bucks are trash. They got guys that can play on that, that team, and they're deep. I didn't they're, say that. They're one of the deepest teams in the league. I think they're deeper than the Lakers. I didn't say that, but, well, they're definitely deeper than the Lakers. But I didn't say that part that they weren't, that the rest of the team was not good. But I just gave you the stats to back it up. Giannis, though, is the main focal point of that. But so he's the, the best player on the best team and the best defensive player. What else you want the guy to do? Play in the West. Um, but all oh, seriousness. See, that's not the same anymore because the Spurs are not the same. All right. Oh, so the, so and, the West is all of a sudden just not loaded now. I mean, not the way it once was. And Dude, you can't have, deny that. So Lakers. Where's Golden Clippers, State? Where's Nuggets, Golden State? Portland. You don't even the Golden State doesn't Portland, even matter this year. Portland There's, doesn't even have their best player right now. He's dude. They they still have killers in the West. But my point would be LeBron, as obviously the guy would go right now for MVP. Like it's 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 really really close. Like obviously Giannis is the favorite, and I think he's the fan favorite too. But the only thing I would question uh, in your stats that you didn't bring up, I'd be really interested to see because you were like, oh, you know. He's eight points better here than LeBron. He's three points better here than LeBron. I want to know what their usage rate is and what's the difference between that because I'm pretty sure Giannis has one of the highest usage rates in the whole entire NBA. So, makes sense. You're getting the ball more, it's going through you more, you're going to have better stats. So, like, I get that point. I just think what LeBron is doing is just overall is underrated. Like, it's the Lakers. There's so much more pressure. Like, nobody cares if the Bucks don't win it or if they do. Like, nobody really cares. It's basically you have to beat the Clippers and you have to get to the finals and win. Like, this is so much pressure. And it's stacked. The best team in the whole league might be sharing the same locker room with you. Like, I just think what LeBron's done with this team, it's not that deep. It's not as talented as people think. What he's doing at his age, night in and night out, not taking load management like Kawhi Leonard, is just impressive. Like, I just, in, in my opinion, I feel like what he's doing is the scale of difficulty is way higher than what Giannis is doing. And then also, too, I know for me, this is tainting my opinion of Giannis until he comes to the Heat next year, of course. Um, it's tainting you just my opinion. I can't wait for that. I can't because I know it's going to happen. Um, it's tainting my opinion. And I think why this is a conversation, people still remember what happened to him last year in the playoffs. He was the MVP. Dominating, going through guys the whole season. What happened when he got to the playoffs? They shut him down. And I think you remember we talked about it before the season. I was like, oh, I don't know about Giannis repeating because I feel like teams saw the blueprint of how to play him. And it's that that old adage of there's regularly season basketball, then there's playoff basketball. And to me, but that's playoff in, has nothing to I, do with the MVP. I know, but but to me, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not. To me, that I don't want to give him two MVPs. Like I've already seen this before. Like. Show me something different. Show me, show me something more impressive. And to me, LeBron's the guy right now. What he's doing, I've never seen somebody do before. So that's why my vote goes to him. 
See, so you threw his age in there, and I remember when we talked and about I this know, Brady. And I know, I know, and I didn't Hold want on. to because I knew you were going to bring up, well, <laughs> who cares if he's what, 30, whatever, no, like, no, age no, no, shouldn't no. matter. No, 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 no. That is fine if you want to use that argument, but you got to be consistent. You did not allow, or you allowed me to use it, but you criticized me when I said Brady had a better season than Mahomes in 2018 because of the fact that Brady was doing this past 40 and you criticized me for that so just be consistent now you want to talk about some advanced metrics well according to those Giannis might be having the best season ever in the history of the NBA so you got to watch where you go with that when you want to talk about usage rate and you know uh that, wind damn, shares damn that that, and wind that word, shares that word per 48 minutes really pissed you off huh What's that? I got to watch what I say around you because you got some trigger words. Usage rate, that sent him off. He's like, let me go on the internet and look up some more stuff. He's like, he said usage rate. I didn't like that. You didn't like that word, did you? Listen, it says here, okay, that he, and I looked it up here, he averages more combined rebounds and assists per 36 minutes than either Wilt or James Harden did in their best scoring seasons. All right? So, on a permanent basis, there is a legit you, argument. It's the greatest love, season in NBA history. You love that per 36 because that's such a fantasy basketball like <laughs> moniker that helps you make decisions. They're like, oh, what? well, his per 36 is 27, 11, and 5. Yeah, I'm picking him up. You, I just, <laughs> I knew that was going to creep it somehow into the conversation. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, speaking of CBAs, we talked a little bit about the NBA one. JT, let's go to the NFL one. Um it is now, as the time of the recording of this episode, it is now past the deadline for the NFL player uh, players to have voted on the potential new CBA. It was Saturday at noon. Still no uh, decision or still no report on what they voted, which way they voted, I should say. So either way, it doesn't matter. The question I want to have for you is, should the players agree to this specific cba that is in front of them right now are you asking me or is marquis pouncey asking me because <laughs> that's oh, what, well let's that's go what with it comes me. down to because i, cause I okay, feel like let's go let's go with me that way it's an honest answer from you. i feel like <laughs> if he's going around polling most of these young guys in the room and saying like who's signing it everybody's saying no because they just don't right. to deal with him so i'm asking you on behalf of the fans so here's what i'm going to do with this question so I strictly remember, uh, everybody knows uh, he's been on the show a couple of times, Chad Fox, our in-house NFL expert. First thing when they released like the major details of the CBA, he sent it to you and he said, look, Donato, you're the lawyer. You know this. Tell me if this is crap. And what did you say? Well, I, I said it's 465 pages long and JT doesn't pay me enough to read this. He did say that. But, <laughs> but... <laughs> From everything, for everything that I've heard, and then I've, what I've heard from you, like this is, they should not be signing it. They can do so much better. This is one of the rare times where they can go through a little bit of a struggle with a lockout and lost wages to achieve something that can benefit them for decades to come. So this is a, like player leverage in the NFL is at an all time high right now, and this is where you guys should take advantage and get everything that you want, and you know paved the way for CBAs to come down the road. So I do not think they should be signing it. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with no, not right now, and there's a couple reasons why, but I feel like my take is on what should be important in the CBA. We want to talk about money in general, oh, the percentage of revenue that the owners get to the players. All right, I understand it's over $14 billion at this point, that revenue they generate, so 1%, is a, 1 or 2% is a big number. And then they want to talk about guaranteed money. Listen, do all of that as an individual player in your negotiating. You're negotiating of your particular contract, all right? You don't need to have, oh, 100% of guaranteed money needs to be in the CBA. No. Like, get a good agent or just be really strong in your stance and make sure it's like a Kirk Cousins contract, right? There's nothing that says you can't get as much guaranteed money as you negotiate for. So, don't waste your time, if you're asking me, don't waste your time with it in the CBA. This is what they need to worry about in the CBA. Healthcare after playing, all right? Disability benefits in case you have a catastrophic injury on the field. Like and a Ryan the, Shazier situation. Exactly. And the third component is the number of games versus the money you make per paycheck. So looking first at lifetime healthcare. That's what you should demand. Currently, do you know what it is right now, JT? I do for a, not. A, a retired player, it's five years. After those five years, you're on your own. And you think about it. If you retire at 31, you're probably still going to be fairly healthy by the time you're 36. What good is that five-year insurance? You need it when you're 66, when you're 56, right? Look at Earl Campbell. Like, he needs it now. He didn't need it two years after retiring for the most part. So you got to get lifetime health care in there somehow. And then the disability benefits. In the 2011 CBA, it was if you had an injury on the field that is catastrophic, like you said, the Shazier one, it was they would pay you $250,000 per year. Under this new CBA, they're talking about permanently disabled players would only get 48000 a year. And I put example Shazier. The Steelers have done a good job of still paying him his millions of dollars in his contract, but that may not be every team, you know? And let's say he was a rookie and did this. Is he going to have that credibility with the team that they're willing to go out and pay him this much? So 48000 that gets that that gets that injured player nowhere. Then the third thing, they want to go to 17 games. Listen, if you want to go to 17 you can't just reduce preseason from four to three. You got to reduce it four to two and then let the pay should reflect the 17 games, meaning that the per paycheck amount needs to be just as good as it's been for the 16 game season. If not, you're paying me the same money for 17 games that I was getting for 16 having to play an extra game, and now my per paycheck amount is less. How does that make sense? I have to do more work for the same pay. We don't – you would never like – like no worker likes doing that, right? So, so, any, so hold on. Any NFL player that happens to come across this, two things need to happen. One, you need to fire DeMora Smith and come hire this guy. Donato uh, I don't know. I don't know about Donato that. Bu- but... Donato Bucci will fight for you. We need to start making posters, putting them, putting them up all around training camps. And just just replaying this clip on loudspeakers until they hire. We should do that. We should go out in front of a few stadiums, just keep replaying this clip until somebody comes outside and like, you know what? Let's give this guy a shot because you're absolutely right. Well, the the, the other thing I was going to add is, if you're going 
if you're going to the 17 games in order to reflect this increase in the in keeping the same paycheck amount per game is you either have to increase the cap or increase the pay of the currently signed players by a single game check without a cap infraction meaning for i don't know the next 3 or 4 years you have a soft cap in the NFL but you only can go over it for the amount of the currently signed players that would be added onto their contracts for one game. So I don't know if that makes sense. So example, JT, to make it easy, you make $1.6 million a year. Your game check without taxes taken out would be 100000 right? There's 16 games. So you're adding a 17th, guess what? Your contract now gets inflated by 100000 because I got to pay you for one more game. So I'm allowed to go over the cap on your contract by a hundred thousand dollars. So with it. I'm with it. I don't know if that makes sense. Hopefully that part does. That would be the tricky part, would be the cap and then increasing everyone's contract who is currently signed. If you're a free agent, you don't get the benefit of that. You should negotiate your contract with 17 games in mind, and you can't cry about it later. But the currently signed guys, that's kind of unfair to them that they have to play 17 games instead of 16 at the same rate. Or not at the same rate, at the same salary, which is a lower rate per game. So let's keep it in kind of the the sports law mode, uh, JT. Yeah, because this the, is this is now a legal advice show. We're not talking anything about highlights or dunks or anything like that. We're just talking about contracts. This is well, why no, the, this is why I got out of legal studies classes. I, this is not where I wanted to end up. This is fun stuff. Are you kidding me? We're talking contracts and millions in sports. In sports yeah. performance? None of, that, none of it's going to us. You're right. This yeah. is well, so much fun. Well, by the way, it's not legal advice. Let's let's make that clear. JT's trying to get me in trouble. This is not legal advice. It's opinions of JT and the Don sports fans. Got it? So, the U.S. Soccer Federation filed a motion, not a motion, but a response in opposition to a motion by the UN's U.S. women's soccer team, all right, on a motion of summary judgment. So what that means, JT, is some motion for summary judgment would allow whichever side to win without going to trial, basically. There's so much evidence there that it doesn't even need to go to a jury. Whichever side brings that motion for summary judgment is so correct, basically, that it doesn't even need to go to a jury. So that is what the U.S. women's soccer team was trying to do. Hey, we have all this evidence and facts to back us up. The judge should decide, should side with us without allowing it to go to trial. So the U.S. Soccer Federation needs to file a response to that motion. If not, they might go into that hearing and lose, and then that's it. They have to pay the U.S. women's uh, uh, soccer players. So in their response, the U.S. Soccer Federation writes, The job of a men's national team player carries more responsibility within U.S. soccer than the job of a woman's of a women's national team player. Other things they mention in there as far as that responsibility is the uh, environment that they play in. It is much more hostile for the men's team who a lot of times plays in Mexico City in Azteca Stadium, 100,000 fans on the road as well as the skill they're saying 
of the men's soccer requires more skill than women's soccer. That was also part of their argument. Now, after this info came out, as far as this response, the um, U.S. soccer president, I believe Carlos Cordero, resigned. He first apologized for using that language in the response, then resigned. So this is the question I have to you, JT. Is U.S. soccer is the U.S. Soccer Federation now grasping at straws to defend against this lawsuit uh, brought by the oh, no U.S. Doubt women's about players? It. This was this was an all time dumb statement, and it it was dumb because first of all, uh, I think they should. I we are on record saying that they should be paid. They're they're worth more <laughs> than the the men's national team. Like that's just bottom line what it comes down to. But here's the thing. If you want to play devil's advocate and say if they were making this statement to prove that the men should be paid more than the women, soccer is not the sport to do that. If this were basketball, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like if this were basketball, not in say, the U not in the US, right? Yeah, not yeah, in not, the US. Yeah, not in the US. Like let's say if this were basketball, they could say, well, you know, in the WNBA, like, you know, they're playing the same game, but like, are the women dunking? You know, if they want to talk about, oh, the degree of difficulty of the game, like whatever the hell that crap means. Or if you want to take it to something like football where, like, yes, the degree of difficulty in male football and women's football, like, the physicality is different. But if you were going to try to make this argument in soccer, the one that really stuck out to me was the one where you were talking about the hostile venues. That really only applies to, like, those European club teams where, like, they're, like, like, we're just talking about the Morega thing where, like, he's going into, like, these crazy environments where they're throwing bananas on the field. Like, the guys, the the... The security has like the armored shields. They're throwing uh, Mazelkov cocktails on the on the on the field. Well, they're, yeah, they're throwing flares. Yeah, they're throwing yeah, flares. flares. Like, yeah, like those European clubs might have to deal with that. The men's national soccer team does not have to deal with anything remotely close to that. So that argument is one hundred percent invalid. And well, I call- will say. I will say Azteca Stadium is definitely intimidating. So that might be the one is it, venue. Is it, is it intimidating because of the fans or is it intimidating because of the fans and we suck? <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't answer that Thank one. Thank <laughs> you. I, I, I'll answer it. Yes, that's what it is. But if we're talking just based on skill and who's better, it's the, it's the women's team and it's not even close. They have, they're the only thing about soccer in America, not on, on a national and a global scale, that's even relevant. Like, no, the average person does not know who is on the men's national soccer team because they don't care because they're not good. People know more MLS players than the, than men's national soccer players. So, yeah, they're grasping at straws. This was a dumb-ass argument. And I, excuse my language. That's exactly what it was. And they should just admit they were wrong, like we talked about before in a previous episode, embrace what they have in the women's national team, get behind that, and invest the money into it. It's going to be beneficial for them. I don't understand why they continue to fight this this makes no sense well we got to add a dollar to the potty jar for the add, language you add use. 20 <laughs> add 20 because if you stay on this topic i'm gonna say more stuff so it's just stupid we'll go we'll go one dollar it's one dollar for the 2020 year right now but i agree with you in terms of yes they're grasping at straws with that particular defense or defenses because if you're going to defend this lawsuit you've got to focus on the revenue part if you think the men's team brings in more. And we previously discussed this topic, like you said, and I gave you multiple reasons of why there should be equal pay. In fact, 
you could maybe even argue they should be the paid women, more. They could they should be paid more exactly. So because the revenue was slightly higher for the women's team as far as what they brought in the past year or so. Now, as for this particular argument that the other things they didn't factor. You want to talk about responsibility and the hostile atmosphere. Well, what about when the women's team plays in pressure situations? You, okay, what pressure situations, you you may ask? Uh, I don't know. The World Cup final that the U.S. men's team yeah, has I'm, that's a never reached? The men's team has <laughs> no clue of how that feels. So. Exactly. Like, they're, they're lucky when they – Lately, have gotten to a gold cup final, Look right? They qualify for the world, <laughs> exactly. Like they haven't even qualified. So you talk about the the pressure, the skill involved in a title game. We're talking about the World Cup final in Europe. It's it's crazy. And then, not only that, but you talk about the responsibility and the pressure. Well, what about the pressure that the women's team faces? The expectation to win all the time and be dominant and, when they're doing it. And like if they're not have, if they're not winning five to one, we're like, damn, is this women's team falling off? Exactly. Exactly. And like I have that written. That's pressure. I, I have that written down. Not only to win, but win big. Like you said, to dominate. And yet, when they win thirteen nothing, it's like, oh, now they're just you know they're uh, running they're, up the score, right? So like they can't win either way. The U.S. women's team. So yeah, I think they're grasping at straws here. If you're going to defend it, and you and I have said before that. There should definitely be at least equal pay here. So we're not trying to defend the U.S. Soccer Federation for trying to defend this suit. But if you're going down that route, you got to use the real defenses, and that comes down to money, comes down to revenue. And if you can't prove that, then you got to pay up. The real defense is get some better people to argue your case because these dudes look like idiots right now. Uh, women's national soccer team uh, we're on record we support you guys we hope you get everything you want and everything you've been fighting for and we still feel that way so good luck to you guys uh, so let's switch gears back to the NBA I know you I know you love these type of questions so let's pretend like we're a GM for a minute so if you're an NBA GM right now and you're starting a team uh, so side note uh, I thought this was crazy I read this stat the other day and this is why I want to talk about this 50% of the guys in the NBA right now have two years or less of experience in the league. Like, I, That's crazy. Yeah, I read that. So we're going to ask this question. If you're building a team right now, who would you rather build around? Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, or Trey Young? JT, that was a great stat you just threw out there. You got it. I fell out my seat when I saw that. Wow, that you gotta you you gotta come up with some trivia time questions like that. That no, was awesome. I, I'm trying to get that thrown out, so no, maybe I need to <laughs> dial it back. But who would you go with? I'm gonna go with, and I don't know who you're gonna go with. I know who you're go, going with. <laughs> I'm going with Luca Doncic. Everybody knows who you're going with. <laughs> I'm going with Luca because there's a couple reasons. Because I it's Luca, and Luca almost brought you a title this year in fantasy. That's why you're going with him. <laughs> Well, he makes, I think, the teams that he plays on a little better than the other two guys. Not to knock the other two guys, but I think Luka makes the team uh, better that he is on and the players around him a little better. And I think he's just a little bit more well-rounded right now. So talk about making a team better. They're 40-27. and 27. They're 7th in the West. The Hawks are 20-47. and 47. 
and the Pelicans are 28 and 36. Now, with Zion, they're 11 and 9. So, again, those players are not he's play, bad. He's played that many games already? Yeah, 20. Yes. Jeez. I know. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it, right? It's not like he just got back like three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they're not bad. Obviously, Zion's making his team better for sure, but not as big of a difference. And it's listen, I know the Mavs have Porzingis, but it's not like they have this amazing talented team right now compared to the Pelicans. I mean, Pelicans got Ingram, they got some other guys as well. So, like he makes them better and then you look at the numbers. Luka 28.7 a game. Trey Young, yes, 29.6, but then you look at the other stats. Assists, they're almost equal. Rebounds, Luka has five more rebounds per game. But then you look at like three-point percentage. Trey Young's at 36. Luka's at 44. And then does Trey Young really make his teammates actually better? I mean, or is but, he just a really good? I mean, player? but how good do you have to be to make the Hawks better? Like that's the real point. <laughs> you got to be. You do I mean, have Luka's really playing good. with Porzingis. Like, don't forget, like they call him the but unicorn for a reason. Yeah, but that's one guy. Sometimes you Tim look Hardaway Jr. can play. Yeah, but again, it's not like this crazy talented team. Anyway, you look at Zion then. His numbers, he hasn't played enough for me to really compare them. But what I worry about Zion is, yes, The same thing you worry about all the time. <laughs> exactly. He's entertaining, yes. I don't know really how much he's made Brandon Ingram better when he's been on the court. But like, like you said, the thing that I always worry about with him, long-term health. So if I'm going with a franchise player of those three, it's tough to rely and trust Zion. It's not that he's not good. He's really good. I can't trust them long term, so I'm going with Luca. This was this was easy for me at first because, and I'll and I'll walk through this. Zion, even though I'm on record, I like him a little bit more than you do. He was out because of the things that you said. If I'm starting a team around him, he's the one guy out of these three that if injury strikes him the wrong way and his athleticism goes, his whole game changes. We don't know what it's going to be like without him having that gift to be able to you know fly through the air and make all these hustle plays because. He's so athletically talented. So he's out. And I really wanted to pick Trey Young because I'm like, Luka has a better supporting cast, better coaching, and better system around him. And that's why they were so close last year in the Rookie of the Year race. And I was like, they both kind of have injuries. Luka more so this year than Trey. And Trey had more injuries in the rookie year. But he, um, what it came down to is I'm going to agree with you on Luka for this point. I don't. I forgot who said this. It was some basketball analyst on one of these shows that I watch, and he was like, "The reason that Luka Doncic is the most scariest player, young player that's going to be taking over the NBA is, he's the one guy that you can't speed his game up in his development. And like, he plays at it. Like he's not. His game's not based off athleticism. Even Trey Young is kind of based off of athleticism. It's not based off of athleticism. It's strictly based off skill. And if he loses a step, he's still going to be the same player. He's still going to be dropping dimes. He's still going to be, you know, making those close contested shots. He's still going to be able to shoot the three. So and he's still going to be able to rebound. Like things that athleticism, if it goes away, it's not going to take away from him. So when I heard that, I was like, I really had to think about it. I was like, you know what? You can't really like speed. You really can't speed up his game because he's playing at his own pace and it works already. So that's when I heard that I had to flip over from Trey to Luca, and I think you're 100 percent right. Like he's he's just a better guy, and I think the future is going to be scary for him. So I would definitely pick him. 
I like that. I really like that point that you made because now I'm thinking about like when you think of Russell Westbrook, you think of like Trey Young a little bit. Like those are guys that are smaller, but like they're They're, based on that athleticism, like that quickness, that quickness. So what's going to happen, you know, if they have a major injury, like with Luca? Yeah, you're right. Like he's he just plays slow. That, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's kind of like fast. He, he's kind of like that James Harden. You don't think of him as super fast or built well, but you know they do it at their pace. So you're you're right. You're right. His game may age a little better than those guys. Sticking with the NBA, let's go to our. Well, you know he's on my list of people to talk about all the time that I do not like. Let's go to the New York Knicks and the whole drama that's been unfolding off the court with them. So I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, Knicks owner James Dolan has recently come under fire. Uh, Apparently Spike Lee uh, was told that he couldn't enter a certain entrance and the Knicks staff gave him a hard time to the point where he's saying that he's no longer going to any of their games and he's no longer supporting the Knicks. That's crazy to think that Spike Lee is not going to be courtside anymore. Um well, he said for the rest of this season. So it we'll felt, see about it felt, it felt like a forever <laughs> statement. And also, too, you know that he's had past uh, – owner James Dolan has had past uh, run-ins with former Knicks great Charles Oakley, who also was on the record recently basically comparing the whole operation to a plantation, which is serious. So, And he also su- suggested that the NBA should take a look at what's going on over there from a management perspective. So my question to you is, what should the NBA do about the Knicks or what should they do about James Dolan, his whole situation? Well, this is definitely a JT topic. Let's put that out there. Oh, don't let him fool you because he couldn't wait to talk about this one either because he hates Dolan. Listen, the thing is, what can the NBA really do like legally without getting in trouble? I I don't know if there's much, JT. I mean – you kind of get to run the team the way you want it. Now, unless he pulls a Donald Sterling here. And in effect, does, he's, unless he's affecting the brand of basketball right, or doing right. something unethical. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing they can it, really do about it. Exactly. And, like, as far as him trying to improve the team, I mean, he can make an argument for that. Brought in Phil Jackson. Signed Melo to that big contract. He changes coaches. Right? Like, you have the big-name guys like – like D'Antoni that came in, then you have the young up-and-coming coaches like Fisdale. Like, granted, I think we both agree he fired David Fisdale way too early, but still. Uh, like, I, I don't I don't know because Fisdale was doing some que- – I, I love Fisdale. Trust me, he used to be a Heat guy. He was doing some questionable things. Like, you're he young. Have, he you didn't have much you, talent you can't to have, work you, with. Yeah, exactly. You don't have much talent. You can't glue guys like Mitchell Robinson to the bench because they get in, <laughs> they get in foul trouble. Like, let the man learn. You got to put your best players out there. So – the, the thing with James Dolan is he needs to hire – maybe the NBA can help with this. He needs to hire the right front office guys and then stay out of the basketball Wasn't that supposed to be Bill Jackson? Operations of things. But, but that's the problem. He brought in a coach. What I'm talking about, he's got to go after front office guys. Phil Jackson's a coach, right? So, like, he brought in Leon Rose, who now is the new president of the Knicks. He was the former head of Creative Artists Agency. Like, basketball department guy. This is not the right guy. Leon Rose is not the right guy. He's great being an agent, you know, understanding negotiations and contracts. But we, you need a basketball guy in there, not a former agent that you think can turn it around. Like, he's never been a ba- basketball executive. Like, you need to know, guy, you need to bring in a guy that knows the hierarchy 
and knows how to build a team. Like, that's the first thing he's got to do and then stay out of the basketball side. So maybe the NBA can help him with that. Yeah, I agree with you. There's nothing really they can do unless he does something like a Donald Sterling situation where it's like, look, man, this is going to affect our bottom line. We got to get you out of here. Um, So I'm not going to really elaborate too much on that. I really kind of want to focus on the comments that Oakley made, which I kind of brought up a little bit where he, like I said, he was comparing the situation to he, that Dolan's running that situation like a plantation, which is serious. And then you remember the whole situation with them having Oakley kicked out of a game. I think it was two years ago. And so he's been on the yeah. record of not yeah. being a fan. I think it's of, actually been like, I think it's like three years. I think it was 2017. Was 2017. Yeah, so it's been yeah. A couple years. Yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like it didn't happen that long ago. And then, <laughs> Spike Lee not attending any more games this season, like, like, well, that, that, like how do you uh, feel about that? Like, like the state of the uh, Knicks, as, like, no Spike Lee and like no Oak, like that's that okay. seems so like major to me. As, as far as the Spike Lee thing, I want to say, Spike, it's about time you did this. Like, maybe that'll wake up the Knicks, like the organization, the players. I, I don't. All know. right, that is but, not the way I thought you were gonna go, man. Spike <laughs> is a legend. He is the Knicks. That's what I'm saying, though. It's about time he did took a stance, right? Oh, I thought you were saying it's like, about time he got out of there and didn't sit down anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, yeah, okay. I I was with about, you. I'm with you on that. I was about to go in on you. No, no. I, I, it's about time he took a stand, Spike Lee, you know? Mm-hmm. But he'll be back next season once, you know, opening night and everything. I mean, that's just the way we are as fans, so I won't blame Spike there. Now, as far as the Oakley comment, I mean – this is the thing that I have written down here is in, in he may have explained this a little bit more in the interview. I unfortunately didn't catch the whole interview, but in what way Oakley? Cause if you say something like this, as I always say with you, JT, like I don't care what the statement is, what it pertains to. Like we said in some of those law in the lawsuit with the U S soccer federation, you got to back it up. So in what way Oakley, if, like, do you mean that? In what way is he running it like a plantation? Because I, I don't know. Like, allow us to understand what you mean by that. Because if that is the case, then maybe, going back to your original question, JT, maybe the NBA can step in here and say, whoa, 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 this is not how we run this league. I'm not saying – and you make a good point about that because this is one of the downsides of us just being regular guys is we don't have that inside information of guys like you know hey like we're in the locker room we're in the building with the Knicks like these are the rumblings of what's been going on I, I always tell you get you got to get a season press pass to one of I these do teams, yeah man. we Come do on. we're we're working on that for uh 2020 but we you're right from our perspective he does have to give us more information because we don't know but I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper I'm not saying this is what it is what it sounds like to me, what he's been trying to say and kind of what's been happening to him personally is NBA, come take a look. There might be a little bit of a Donald Sterling situation going on. I'm not saying Dolan's doing what Sterling did, but he's saying it has that feel and look to it. I don't know if you guys know about it, but you need to come take a look and just to make sure everything's kosher because this is something that could potentially get worse. And you kind of see that it, it sucks that these comments came out at the same time as the Spike Lee thing. Because if this would have came out maybe six months ago, what Oakley said, and then the Spike Lee thing happened, you're like, all right, I'm, I remember what Oak said last summer. Now Sp- the whole situation with Spike Lee, which nobody in a million years would thought would ever happen, happen. 
now I'm starting to raise some eyebrows. What the hell is going on in New York? So that's where I'll give Oakley some leeway on that. I'm just going to assume that he put that out there. It's a serious comment, and he, he means what he says. That's what's going on. So I'm going to take him at his word on that. The whole thing with Spike Lee is I think it's embarrassing because it just shows that he's the wrong owner for the team. Like, Spike Lee is the Knicks. Spike Lee is, you know, Madison Square Garden. Like, that dude put so much work into that franchise. And they don't even, I don't even know if they pay him. Like, I was shooting <laughs> He Steven. pays them. He, yeah. he pays them for his seats, like, JT. Steven, Steven like, how many greatest Knicks moments, like, have Spike Lee in it? He's not all, even playing. All of them. He's not all playing. All of them since, like, 1990. He's not even playing. And, like, you know, like, Stephen A., I don't know when he said this, but I but I saw, I saw a clip of it. He was saying that, I think it was Dwayne Wade, like, one of his boys texted him and said, when uh, he was a free agent, like, Spike Lee was doing all the recruiting to get him there, like, hosting hosting the meetings had him had him come to New York and all that, you know, it was like Spike was the one that really like greeted us like he was the players and he was the one that handled our recruiting trip. Like you just don't throw away guys like that. Those 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 type of people are invaluable to your franchise. Like once those people quit on you, that's when you start to lose like the fans. So I don't know what Dolan's doing, but he needs to, you know, sit down and say, you know what? I was wrong. Spike, come back. What do you need? It wasn't like that. It was a misunderstanding because that's the wrong way to go. Well, I guess we got to stick in New York and with basketball because everything's getting messed up in uh, in New York. So let's go. Uh, I don't know. I guess across the the borough. Well, let's to be. A- let's be a JT. Let's be a little sensitive. I mean, you know, it is a serious situation even in New York. Well, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, where uh, their head coach Kenny Atkinson. I meant. JT, I meant with the coronavirus, not with the basketball. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. All right. I got you. I, I figured you didn't, you didn't catch what I meant. Bobby. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead I with the you. question. I got you. So we're talking okay. about the Brooklyn Nets, one of, one of the teams you like to watch. Uh, their head coach, Kenny Atkinson, right. just um, recently agreed to mutually part ways, which is weird because they were actually look pretty good this year. Um, but, of course, nothing like this is simple. Uh, there was rumors that he Atkinson did not want to coach Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And then another report came out that was saying that Durant was rumored to not be interested in being coached by Atkinson next season when he returned. So we already know the kind of drama that Kyrie brings to a team. And now you have KD doing this and you have the coach Kenny Atkinson, who's a good coach, I think, basically quitting before the season's over. With all that going on, do you still think this Brooklyn job is an attractive job? First, I'm not sure why you said one of my favorite teams to watch. I don't know because you love because you love you love Karis LeVert and you love Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie. Like I know what I'm talking about. And then two, Kyrie brings so much drama, JT, that he even brings it to a fantasy basketball team. It's oh, he crazy. Does. He does. <laughs> So to answer your question, is this still an an attractive job? I think yes, because you have good young talent. Like you mentioned, my boy Levert, my boy Dinwiddie. And then you got, you know, Jarrett Allen's a a, a good big guy there. And then you got – See, this is what I'm talking about. He just said, why are you saying this is my favorite team? He's naming guys you don't even know about. Thank you. Just prove my point. Go ahead. Orlando Magic's my favorite team. Let's clarify that. Or let's clear that up. But then you've got KD coming back, and then Kyrie's going to be, you know, pretty fresh for the beginning of next year because he sat out most of this season. 
So, and just maybe, just maybe Kyrie can be healthy for a whole year next year, along with KD. So I think it's still attractive. I disagree. I think this is one of the – what's the right word I could use for this? This is this is a trap job because for all the, all the things that you mentioned, they got a young core who was good last year. Because did they make the playoffs last year without Kyrie? What did the uh, eighth seed? I, I, uh, I think they did make it because um, – think with D'Angelo I, yeah. I feel like they did make it I, I can't remember now but I think, I think they did I think they made it last year so you guys it's the same thing in Boston you had a young core they were playing well they're building together you bring in Kyrie what happens they, it goes to crap so you got Kyrie who brings his drama continues to get hurt every year and it's more and more serious injuries I, w- I heard at some point this year he couldn't even lift his shoulder so he's got the shoulder of a 60 year old man he's only getting older and then you got Kevin Durant who I love KD as a player. Don't get me wrong. You're, this is an Achilles injury. Every And I say this all the time with people, you know, off of this show, we talk about it. You're just assuming Kevin Durant's going to come back and be Kevin Durant. Like, that's not for sure. And Achilles one is the – and he's been on record saying this is the hardest thing he's ever had to work through. It is not easy to work through this injury. But guess what? Everybody's assuming, all right, if KD doesn't come back with the athleticism, he's just going to be able to shoot. Yes, but part of his game is predicated on the fact that he can get those shots easily because he can also blow by you. So you gotta you gotta respect both uh you know aspects of his game. We don't know what he's gonna look like. So you throw in those two guys who are wild cards from the health perspective, and then you got old ass DeAndre Jordan. Like this is not as an attractive job as people make it out to me. To me, I feel like if I had to pick between this situation and the Knicks situation, and I was going in. Which, which one I had most security with, I probably would choose the Knicks situation. Like, it's it's no that way. close. No it's way. It's that close. Security? Because, because no. guess what? Because guess what? Go talk to Kenny Atkinson because he'll tell you. He got out of there for a reason because what he knew was I can either stay till next year until Kyrie Irving gets me fired or I can, you know, pack it up and go look for a job now. Because that's the only reason I can think of why he quit at this point of the season. That's the only well, reason. Let, let, let me respond to a couple things. The Nets did make the playoffs last year. They were the sixth seed lost in the first round to to okay. your Sixers to your Sixers team. And look at their record right now, JT. They're the seventh seed this year at thirty and thirty four. You don't think a healthy Kyrie and a KD, even if KD's at eighty five percent, but that's going to make that a better but that, team. But, but that's the thing. I'm not saying the talent is going to be better. I'm talking about the situation. I think okay, let's go I don't, to the I, don't situation. I don't I don't let's, I don't I don't on. know if I don't know if those guys I don't know if let, those guys are coming back to what let, we expect them to be and let's they, do they want to be coached? Because I'm hearing that I'm hearing that Kyrie wants Ty Lue to be the coach and that's why Kenny Atkinson got out of town. Okay, let's go to the situation then. If you're coming in there, listen, there's no way if you had the pick right now you would take the Nets cuz you don't want to work and coach for a James Dolan team. So don't give me this, oh, I think the Knicks are more attractive now. Well, Talk about security and stability. You're, t- you're, you're talking about, first of all. you got to factor I, I, all of that in. I, the reason I was, I was just, obviously I'm just being, you know, over-exaggerating. But the reason I was saying that I probably would pick the Knicks, one, because if I win there, it's going to just mean more. But the, the players aren't really the issue. We just got to get better ones in. They have some nice pieces. But, like, Brooklyn has these guys – that you're just like, all right, we're going to plug them in. We're going to be in the finals. And it's like, it's not that simple. 
And I think that, like I'm telling you, Atkinson is a really good coach. I mean, those young guys, nobody knew who they were three years ago. And they're making the playoffs two straight years without any superstars. And for a coach of that caliber to walk away and say, I'm done, that says a lot about what's going on behind the scenes. And I think these guys came in here, they want to do it their way, and that's just it. But, but go ahead. You don't think, though, if you're walking into that situation and you are hired. I'm nervous you, as hell. You I'm don't ner- think, though, that well, hold on, talk about who, you who would am, have who met am with KD who, who and am Kyrie. I? You know what I mean? But guess what? Okay. You're Jimmy cool. Thompson. Okay, if they cool. hire you, it's because cool. KD and Kyrie do I'm glad, want I'm you glad as you, well. I'm glad you brought that up because right now, like I said, Atkinson left, reports KD doesn't want to be coached by him. Do you know what KD said at the beginning of the year when he got there? He's like, I really liked his approach to, to his craft as a coach, and that's what drew me in pretty quickly. That That is what he said about Kenny Atkinson at the beginning of the season, and it went from that – they're a playoff team without those two guys playing. To now, he's like, I don't even want this guy calling the plays next season. Find another job. If because if have that, you ever looked if, at if, if Kenny listen. Atkins, if Kenny Atkinson can't get that kind of cash and respect from KD and Kyrie, what the hell am I gonna do? But at the same time, what has Kenny Atkinson won either? Like KD and Kyrie are world champs at one point. Like. Maybe they now saw what's going on behind the scenes, and they're like, yo, this is not the coach I want to play for. So they're going to bring in someone that KD and Kyrie will like. It doesn't mean the job's less attractive. It just needs to be you got to be the right candidate for the job. Yeah, I got to be Ty Lue. Just shut up, <laughs> point at stuff, <laughs> and just get my it's an att- Hey, it's an attractive job for Ty Lue. He could well, win then, another title. Well, then let me, let me ask you another question because I feel like we're, I know where you're going on this already. Then do you feel with the whole situation of what's going on with them right now, do you think the next Nets made a mistake with those contracts with KD and Kyrie? No, because what other option or options could they get? Like those two they guys could have, have kept not the team they the- had from the year before. Because you see, they got better. They went from but, the eighth to the sixth. That, okay, let me ask you this: Would no? They were the sixth seed last year. They're the seventh the this seventh year. This year, okay. So they're about the okay. Same. So so let me ask you this: This year, with that same team of the Nets last year, D'Angelo instead of Kyrie. Is this Nets team better than your Heat team this year? No, that's I mean, a no. No, because I, okay. I, I thought are they the better? I think my Heat team is really good. I thought I thought they were going to be they, top three in the East, and obviously they're is, a little bit better. Is this Nets team better than the Bucks team? No. Is this team better than the Celtics team right now? No. Okay, those are three of the East teams that they would have to go through. So if they're not better. Then you keep that team your status quo. You had to make a move. And to me, all I'm saying is you're right with the KD injury and Kyrie's attitude. I'm just saying it's worth the risk because what other options were you going to make? No, I disagree. What other options did you have to improve? I think they're going to regret this because this is – It can't – hold on. One other thing. I think they're going to regret this this because – One other thing. It cannot be worse than bringing in KG and Paul Pierce. Not the same situation. But it not, it isn't not, not the same this, situation. You had a chance you, to really you, improve on a playoff team. Do you understand the expectations that are going to be in place when Kyrie and KD are cleared for all full basketball and, activities next year? And that's they're going to be they're going to be the fa- they're going to be the favorite in the East to win it all. And that's they're why not going to be that team. That is why it was the right move by the Nets. JT, when have we talked about the Nets like this? What since o two o three? 
I mean, we talk about the Nets all the time, but I get what you mean. Um, no, I do. I think it's gonna. They're gonna regret this because Kyrie is one more broken down than they originally thought. Two, they got a third guy that nobody's talking about. That don't get me wrong, he still plays really well, but he's old. DeAndre Jordan, like he's old, and Kevin Durant. I keep telling you, I don't know what he can come back and just totally make me look like an idiot, but I don't know what we're gonna get from him next year, like. Like, everybody's expecting, okay, he's going to pick up where he left off in Golden State. He's going to be killing it. He's going to go to the finals, and he's going to just drop 40 a game. Like, we don't know that. Like, I, I, we haven't seen him do anything. And for what the expectations are and for what they're going to be paying them, I think they are going to regret giving, those, giving them those contracts because I don't think they're going to get out of it what they expected from the beginning. But staying in the East in basketball – uh, let's go, like you call them my team, I do like them. Let's go to the 76ers where, man, stuff went south real fast. Ben Simmons got hurt, went down, and then Joel Embiid went down a week later. Those are your guys. Those are my guys. Like, I love both of those players, and they just they're, they just were done. So, um, obviously, Embiid has an injury history, and Ben Simmons used to be healthy, but he's starting to pick up more and more little injuries as time goes on. Real question here. Have the Sixers reached their ceiling of what they can do with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the same team? Is this the best that they can do? No, no. Uh, they do need those two guys to get healthy, though. Okay, if not, they have hit their ceiling. If they're not healthy, obviously, so they need to get them healthy. But they have not reached their ceiling. What they need to do is they need to bring in some more shooters like they had when they were with J, like when JJ Redick was there. You just they, love JJ Redick. <laughs> he's probably the only Duke player that I've actually liked in the NBA. Because y'all um, use the same hair gel, that's why. <laughs> um, so they got to get some shooters around, and I think that'll you know get them through the through the roof through the ceiling. I do think though, JT, and this might be a thirty for thirty one day about the process with the Sixers, but the Markel Fultz pick. Dude, it crushed them. Like, it set them back. I mean, you have the number one overall pick, and you really have nothing to show for it now after you had already drafted Simmons and Embiid. Um, But you can't move on from two perennial all-stars like this. And Simmons, I think, is only going to keep getting better. So, uh, no, they have not reached their ceiling. I disagree. And this much as it pains me to say it, I think they have. And it's not even about the injuries, per se. I think they've reached the ceiling because clearly they don't fit together. Simmons and Embiid don't fit together because when the other one's off the floor, the other one just dominates. And it has nothing to do with who's around them. And this it really shows up during the playoffs. And I think that that's why they're always such an easy out when we don't expect it. It's because those two don't play well together on the court when it really matters. And now you throw in the fact that Ben Simmons is kind of breaking down a little bit physically. Cause he, he always had like these little like, Oh, my back is sore, my neck and all this stuff. And he just never used to miss games, but now he is. And then we already know Embiid's got a well-documented injury history. So you got two guys don't fit breaking down physically. You got to ship one of them out or you got to trade them both while they still have value. If it were me, I would ship out Embiid because I think he can fetch you the most value in return because he's a big man. He can he can when when it's the, when he's the focal point of the team. You seen what he can do? He can put up fifty points, double digit rebounds, blocks, threes. He's crazy from the free throw line. Like he can do all that stuff. 
and I would build the team around Ben Simmons because he's the healthier of the two. But I wouldn't be opposed to shipping both of them out and seeing what we can do because they are not going to get any better with those two together. I just think that this is it. I feel like we're just talking so much about basketball. So That's interesting, JT, you said that. I, I, I thought that you'd be... A little bit more on Ben Simmons' side, but nah, they, they cost me too much money this year in fantasy. I'm out, I'm <laughs> I'm off the train, but no, I, that's how I really. By the way, where is my money? Where is my money? Uh, it's in, in the mail, it's right? In, it's in the mail. It's in escrow. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just want to know. I, I know we talked about this, but how do you feel about the whole uh, Draymond Green and Charles Barkley beef back and forth? This has been hilarious. Um, so for the listeners at home, before I get to that question of. Uh, what JT mentioned with Barkley and, and Draymond Green. We're in the same fantasy basketball league. And so right now the number one team in the league is me. So I think that, you know, I should get, if there's no more games played, I should get at least half the the, the money that was put in of the buy-in. And then everyone else gets half their money back that they put in for. So that's why I asked JT where my money is because – I'm sure all the listeners agree with me, JT. Side, so. side note, I take back everything I said before about NFL teams coming to hire this guy <laughs> to renegotiate your next CBA because one thing he only cares about is the regular season. You'll find that out. Oh. You only care Ooh. about the regular season. Stop, stop begging. We won't go there. Stop using our show to beg for money. Barkley we, or we, Draymond Green, whose side are you on? We won't go there in terms of who has since you and I have known each other and we've been in the same basketball and football fantasy leagues. We won't ask who has the most overall titles. So we won't ask who's also. I am on. Most. I am on what? Huh? Good. What Who's side are you on? Yeah, I'm on Barkley's side because Draymond. His only argument is Barkley's got no rings. Well, like I've said before, JT. You know, you don't need to be an all-time great. Robert Ori's got rings, too, and he can't get in this conversation. <laughs> you don't have to have a ring to be an all-time great. I mean, that is – that's just true. And so here, if Barkley really wants to snipe back, he can say, hey, you know, if I was in your position and I had Steph Curry and Clay in this day and age, we would have won more than just, what, one without KD. So I'm on Barkley's side here. Uh, I think overall, Barkley, the better all-around player. And, you know, Steph and Clay have definitely helped Draymond a lot. And I think we're seeing it this season. I think you even mentioned it at one point, JT. Yeah, it, yeah, it's Barkley, hands down. I'm on his side. And it's weird because Draymond, from everything I hear about people that talk about him off the court, he seems like that guy that like really respects everybody. He seems like a guy you want in your corner. And I'm a fan. Like I'm a fan. Yeah, of Yeah, I, I like him. I like, I like him as a player, and I I hear he's a great person. But Charles Barkley does not seem like the type of guy that would get under Draymond's skin because they're kind of the same. Like they're both like he's kind of you know trash talking guys, but you know because it's them, we don't take it seriously. Like a lot of stuff that Draymond gets away with, it's because it's Draymond. They're like, all right, you know, Draymond. This is Draymond being Draymond. He's going off. The same thing with Barkley. It's just Barkley being Barkley. And I feel like Draymond would be lucky to learn the game from Barkley because they got kind of similar playing style. But, yeah, you're talking about the whole ring situation. Yeah, Patrick McCall also has rings too. Don't mean he can get in this conversation. <laughs> so, 
Dray, like Draymond just going in about the whole ring thing. Like he wasn't even the driving force behind the rings that he got. And to be honest with you, he also cost them a ring too, doing some of the same stuff he's doing right now with Charles Barkley by getting suspended that year they lost to the Cavs. So if anything, I'm not saying that he's a sorry player, but he's deaf. There's a reason that Barkley was getting on him about the triple single thing. And I think that got under his skin and he hated that. And Draymond knows he's in a bad situation. The team sucks, and the team that's around him right now is not tailor-made to showcase his skills. And he's struggling as the guy that's the number one option because usually when it's like players get hurt and that next guy comes up, like I say all the time, somebody's got to score 20 points, and he's not doing it. You know what I mean? Like this would be a perfect time for Draymond to just you know put up some great all-around numbers. And he struggled, so he looks bad. So I think that's why he's snapping on Barkley. But, yeah, he has no room to talk any crap about Charles Barkley. That dude's a legend. Top 20 player of all time, easily. So, finally, we get to go to football. Can we, is it okay to talk football? Hey, man, those, those I think, were all your topics. No, 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 no. That's what you told the, that's what you told the, uh, the producers. Oh, wait, we are the producers. But, anyway, that's what you told us in the meeting. That those were the topics you wanted. All right, so let's go back to NFL. Carolina Panthers, there's a report that they are going to be tanking next year for Trevor Lawrence. You got an issue with that? No. Not at all, because ask the fans. They would trade one really bad season for 10 good competitive years with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, of course. No, because my Dolphins have already been doing it. We've been doing it for two years. So <laughs> I'm just kind of pissed off that now like they're on. people are on to our plan, so now they want to do it. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, he's a once in like a every, like a every 20 year type of guy. You got to sacrifice one bad year for the potential to have one of the best quarterback prospects ever. So I'm all for it. Hey, we're finally on the page, same page with something. I know, an hour episode. later, because I couldn't stand listening <laughs> to you for the first hour. <laughs> so, uh, JT, even though the NFL uh, meetings in March were, were canceled um, in Palm Beach, Florida, they were supposed to occur from March 29th to April 3rd. Question I have, because they were throwing this idea out that there'd be a potential sky judge or booth ref in the NFL for each game. So I guess, you know, a sky judge overseeing literally every play. Now, what I want to know from you is what new rule would you like to see this season? It could be something you made up or one of the ones that's on the table. Just kind of interested on your take. Uh, One new rule I would like to see is Whatever that camera angle they got to get to put right over the goal line, that one angle that we need to see whether the ball broke the plane or not, get that camera in there. Whatever whatever that – that because I feel like when we watch these replays, like I hate when we don't they, – they, they always show you the angles. They don't show you that one angle. You know they got it. They don't show you that one angle to to get the, the call right. So that and then um I would probably take away the uh, pass interference being reviewable i don't i didn't like that i'd probably take that away too okay fair enough if there's one rule i think it's they enact the xfl kickoff rule. you love that you, know, you the, love that rule I, i'm a huge fan of that he would put that in I the really, cba like we got we got to get paid for 17 games we got to do the xfl kickoff rule but jt think oh about i agree it, i agree with you it's, it's a but, it's a good thing that they they brought to the light and and 
And not only that, it brings back that particular specialty, the Dante Halls that, you know, we grew up with. Or even before then, you know, the Eric Medcalfs, the Mel Grays. I mean, those are guys now that have a potential, um, and they may need to enact the punt rule too. Gives those guys a specialty and creates a couple positions on a roster now. So uh, the kickoff rule would be mine. Uh, the NFL free agency is upon us. I believe it starts March 18th currently right now um, at 4 o'clock. That's when the expiration of the 2019 player contracts occur. So technically players would become unrestricted free agents at 4 p.m. on March 18th. So that led ESPN to do a best and worst signing for each team from the past five years, which one it would be. Um for each best and worst. So JT doesn't need to be the Dolphins. I'm just saying, what is the best free agent signing from the past five years? And what has been the worst free agent signing the past five years, in your opinion? Well, you know, it's so funny. I actually forgot about this question. So if, if the dates are, no, if the, you didn't do no, your no, prep if the dates are a little bit off. I apologize. But I mean, you, I didn't even look at this article, but I got to say like Brock Osweiler is the worst contract, right? That's, that's five years old. That was on for the Houston one. Okay, yeah. he's pretty bad, and that was for the Texans. Yeah, that was for the. They did one for each team, yeah. the best and the worst. That's probably the worst one in the past five years. And I know this is a little bit older, but I want to go back and say like that year the Dolphins signed. I think it was Sue and Danelle Ellerby. Like those contracts were terrible. Sue was up there. It was six years, hundred fourteen million. So it, it was. It was within five years. Six, yeah, and 60 guaranteed. That was in 2015 he signed. So I'll go through it for you if you think that was one of the worst. Sue signed in 2015, six years, 114 million. Absolutely terrible. 60 million in guaranteed. Now, they've had dead money, the dead cap hits because of that contract. 2018 was 9.1 million. 2019, 13.1. He hasn't played for them in like two or three years. He's still counting against the cap up until this past year see so see, we've been tanking for trevor long before he even knew <laughs> six-year plan bro and then the lrb contract i just remember because he was the guy that when we signed them i was kind of excited about because he played for the ravens right before so i was like oh we're getting a you know a good linebacker no he was terrible um so what's the best one best one you've named a couple really bad ones it's what's always the one? it's always easy to remember the trashy ones but the best one <laughs> <laughs> um, the best one um I'm gonna go with you know I'm gonna I'm gonna just admit I was wrong again. I'm gonna go with the one that happened last year. Shit, Zadarius Smith going to the Packers. Like I was, that was the one they had for the Packers. Because I, yeah, I, yeah. I I was on record and I was wrong. I said that was gonna be a terrible signing because we didn't know anything about him and that dude's a, a beast. He's a uh, annual Pro Bowler, so I think that's probably the best one. Okay, that's a good one. I appreciate you being honest there. Um, so I'll pull the J2 move. I'll do two for each. Because you already really... had it written down. At two. I didn't even prep for it, but I know you had two. <laughs> so Calais Campbell, JT, in 2017, he signed a four-year, $60 million deal, $30 million guaranteed. It's one of the best ones because you looked at what he's done. Oh, he's been 31 a and a half, 31 and a half sacks through the first three seasons, three-time Pro Bowl so far. He still has one year left on it. Three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro, and he's going to make it through the whole deal probably. So it was worth it. Um, and then the other best contract 
He was one of my underrated uh, free agent or underrated offensive players last year when we did our preseason show. Mitchell Schwartz signed him in 2016. He's won <laughs> four straight division titles, and he goes against guys like Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack when he was with the Raiders, Melvin Ingram of the Chargers. I mean, and now they're Super Bowl champs. You love. Go ahead. You, I know you want to say you, something you, you about. Lo- go ahead. You love Mitchell Schwartz. You love him. Hey, you gotta. You got to give love to the offensive lineman every once in a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, shout out Marshall Yonda, who just retired for the Baltimore Ravens. Read a crazy stat. I think he's only given up, like, two sacks in the past, like, six years. Something something crazy wow. like that. So, dude was well, literally a wall. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Congratulations, Marshall Yonda, for retiring. You definitely have had a great career and actually, thank you for retiring because now my Steelers don't have to play against you. You are so good. So um, the worst free agent signings, Sue was a really good one, JT. I've got Trumaine Johnson of the Jets. Oh, gosh, he's so sorry I forgot he was even getting paid. Yeah. For the Jets? They si- Listen to this. They signed him in 2018, yes, of the Jets. 2018, five years, $72.5 million, 34 guaranteed. He missed in just two seasons. They've already cut him. In two seasons, he missed 15 games, was benched twice. So, and the other guy, Matt Khalil, five years, $55 million back in 2017. He played the whole 2017 season. Or I'm, I'm sorry, with uh, Trumaine Johnson. Um, he played in the 2018 season, 2019. He did miss 15 games. But then Khalil Mack, five years, $55 million. Signed in 2017. Matt Khalil, you mean? He was Matt Khalil, uh, yeah. What did I say? Uh, Khalil Mack. He, he, oh, sorry. He, that's definitely a good deal wherever he goes. <laughs> definitely a good deal. No, Matt Khalil, the Panthers. Uh, again, five years, $55 million back in 2017. Now, he, was, he played the whole 2017, 2017 season, was injured in 2018, so they released him in 2019. Still counts for $15 million in dead money. That's a tough one, JT. So, so with the NCAA tournament not being played, we want to talk a little bit about the good times of the NCAA tournament. So, JT, the question I have that I've been wondering, because I thought about it once they said it would be canceled, is your one memory of it. So, not the fav- not your favorite, not your best moment, but just the one NCA March Madness memory that automatically pops up when someone says, "Hey, March Madness NCA tournament." So it's not necessarily one moment for me. It's just more of just like a team, like teams. So like when I think of NCAA tournament, because obviously the Canes don't do much, but that <laughs> I go back to hey, we had Johnny Sa- we had Johnny Salmon at one point. Like I said, Johnny Salmon, remember him? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately. George Mason, when they made the Final Four, uh, 05, 06, and then they lost to UF, and UF ended up winning the national title. Just, just that team, like the whole run, like that really had me interested. So I remember that. And then um, I forgot what this other team did in the tournament, but I just remember them like from the whole year perspective. Uh, remember when uh, Jameer Nelson and Delonte West played at St. Joe's, and they yeah. were like 27-0, and and then they lost, and they ended up like, what, like 30-2 and on the year. Like just just those like I think of March Madness I think of the, like those two teams, and and that's what I think about. Those are good. Those are good. Um, I want to go back real quick. Tremaine Johnson. Tremaine Johnson was released in 
after the 2019 season. That's what I meant. Not in, not released in 2019. Released after the 2019 season. We get it. He's so, on the streets. Yes. <laughs> well, hey, we try to be correct in factually uh, accurate. Facts yeah, I, that, I get that. You. We give. So my memory. It's not my favorite. It's actually one that I don't like, um, and it's obviously not the best one, but. It just has stuck in my mind. Hold on, tell me um, if I could get. I, can I guess this? You can guess it. You're not gonna get it because you, you, it's an off the wall one. So you're not gonna guess. Okay, it. never mind. I wasn't going there anyway. Okay, what would your guess have been? Uh, the Chris Webber timeout. <laughs> oh, that's a good. I one. I thought that's, that's where you were one. going. I thought for a second you were gonna say uh, probably the worst one was the Scotty Reynolds. Villanova Ooh. buzzer beater against Pitt yeah. back in uh, 2009. But um, I've got to go with the Tyus Edney play. 4.8 seconds left in the second round game, UCLA versus Missouri. UCLA was a one seed, Missouri an eight seed. He goes the length of the court, dribbles behind his back, right-handed layup as time's expiring, and they go from down one to up one. And then him, Ed O'Bannon, Toby Bailey, Cameron Dollar, Charles O'Bannon end up beating my Arkansas team in the finals. Um, that's just one that always sticks in my mind. And the other thing, too, is they played that game at Boise State, JT. So the court back then, unlike nowadays, it stayed the, – the, the court stayed the same as the way they had it during the regular season. So – it was that Boise State blue and orange. And you can't see a like, damn thing. <laughs> well, no, you could, but it stood out. And so I think that's part of why it stands out in my mind is that court is so recognizable that it made that play even a little bit more memorable. And um, I was not a UCLA fan, so that's why it was not a great moment, but sticks in my mind. Surprise, surprise uh, addition to this question. Who, Whoa! I do that who, stuff. Who, go ahead. who are some players that you maybe they didn't pan out in the NBA, but like you were like, you know what? They remind me of March Madness. Like I like I like these guys. One of my all time favorites, Corliss Williamson. Uh, you know what's funny? I don't know why, but you remember um when uh when Luke Ridnour and uh, what's the other Luke's name? Luke Johnson was that who it was? They played of for Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. I just remember those two. I was like, I used to love watching Oregon play. Like when those two were on the court, like those dudes were really giving people the business. <laughs> yeah, I've got to go, Corliss Williamson, man. With the year they beat Duke, I mean, Scotty Thurman, like those guys were. That was a team. I remember that was a team. Also, Car Nolan Carme Richardson as Carmelo. As the coach. Carmelo sticks out uh, his freshman year when they won it at Syracuse, and then also to um, Mario Chalmers when he hit that big shot. Yeah, uh, the can Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. Yep. It's on, just on, so, so many, man. On Memphis, right? That was yeah. on Memphis. That was on Memphis. But yeah, growing up, being young, like a teenager, I'd have to say it was, uh, it was, it was Corliss, Corliss Williamson. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, I would um, say the, I would say the Oregon players and like whoever that, whoever, whatever year, like back when West Virginia had like that one guy who was always good. Like they always would have some funny name, but they could ball. Like, what's the one guy's name of? Pitsnoggle. 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 <laughs> And there was another guy, yeah, guys like that, like those those players. I remember. I'm like, yeah, I, I used to like watching them play. They were interesting stories during the tournament. One of my other favorites to watch, and I always got made fun of a little bit, was the pit guy Carl Krauser. Oh, uh, 
Well, Pitt had, some, Pitt had some good players, so, I mean, those aren't bad memories. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go to – we're going to skip quick hitters because we don't have a sponsor. We cannot afford to run that segment, so we got to work on that, JT. But let's go to surprise, JT. We always like this, as do the fans. I know you don't. I see the face right now. So Trevor Bauer, the pitcher of the Reds, has come out to said – a Sandlot game will happen, and I will stream it live, and there will be mics on all of the players in this Sandlot game. So, JT, would you watch the Sandlot game featuring oh. Trevor Bauer and maybe some other major leaguers? Of course. There's no rules. Yeah. Everybody's mic'd up. Why not? <laughs> it actually would be really interesting. Like, are there managers? Who's going to manage the lineup? Like also too, we see we where see do they this, play because they did it during the All Star game where they were like had them mic'd up talking to the guys who were doing the broadcasting. I thought it was funny. I they've done it for some spring training games. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but like Anthony Rizzo, like he was really good. I enjoyed listening. Yeah, to Rizzo. like he t- was talking to the announcers during his at bat. Yeah, so I think that's really funny. Cool. Yeah. And the last thing, JT, bull riding will fill. Some of the live TV spots for sports. So he's really surprising me with these questions, you guys. <laughs> Am I? Yes, because I don't know a the, damn thing about bull riding. <laughs> the professional bull riders. All right. So Eight seconds. W- hey, you know ah, you didn't about think it. I knew about it. Hey. Ah. What current athlete could likely do? The bull riding in last eight seconds today without any practice. Um, gotta be who's the country's athlete we know. <laughs> <laughs> she probably a, a young Randy Moss because I know he's as country as it comes. So I know he's probably <laughs> done that before. A young Randy. I, I said current athlete. Though. Uh, I'll give you know. that one. Okay, if you want to talk about a former athlete, I'm talking about c- current, current athlete. athlete. Who's who's country enough to do that? That I know is an athlete. <laughs> Um, because they can't be too big, though, right? I mean, like I, 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 don't I can't, know. I can't, I can't say, I can't say JJ Watt like riding a horse, like. Okay, I like that one, JJ Watt. Uh, you, you go with that one. I kind of like that I one. I, he might be too big. I've never seen like a like a six foot six, three hundred pounds. I was gonna, rider. I was gonna say back, I was gonna say back in the day, like David Wells, the former pitcher of the Yankees. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. he is a little. He was a little bigger though. I'm going with Randy Moss. I think Randy could do anything. Okay, even though he's not a current athlete. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who. How about, country, I don't know who the country guys are right now. How about? How about? I could see Gronk doing it and really enjoying it. No, he got a bad back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for another episode of JT and the Don. Thank you to the listeners and fans out there. Thank you for listening to episode number forty of JT and the Don. And four zero. That's right. Please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, please leave us a five-star review anyway. And please remember to follow us on social media, our handle at JT and the Dawn. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So, JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.